Hey, thank you for joining us today. This is Rebecca Tapia, your podcast host. If you're finding any value of this podcast, please do share it and leave a review. And also, nothing discussed here is formal medical, legal, or financial advice. And this is not a patient-doctor relationship. It is really just a couple of people sitting around, or maybe just myself, discussing difficult topics related to aging parents. Enjoy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. I have a special guest for us today. Um, I'm actually at a conference for physicians and I came across Anne. She has been really, really generous with her time and has been willing to come and talk to us about her experiences with her mom. Hi, Anne. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Rebecca. Your um, area of concentration is so important. Um, so many of us have our aging parents and kind of issues with that. So thank you so much for covering this. We're only here because you might have some issues with an aging parent. <laughs> so before we get started into that, just tell us a little bit about, about your background, professional background, and uh, maybe some hobbies that you have. Yeah, so I'm an academic radiologist. Um, I've been practicing for about 13 years, and um, uh, I live in Chicago, um, and I've also personally started um, doing some coaching as well. Awesome, good, good. So we're gonna just step through um, your course with your, and this is your, your mother, right? Yes. The aging parent. Um, so I usually like to start with, um, at what point did you feel like she might need some extra attention or extra care? Like there was probably a time where it didn't really enter your mind and. And now it is. Can you just kind of give us a thumbnail sketch of, of what you're going through, what you're dealing with with your mom? Yeah, so my father passed away um, almost 15 years ago. And my mother wasn't really that old at the time. I think she was like in her mid-60s. But she needed a lot of support after that happened. Um, and... So now it's been 50, it's 15 years later and she's still pretty independent, but it does seem like she's needing more help. She fell at home. Um, she's been thinking about going to one of those retirement communities, but she's very indecisive in, about going and also understandably doesn't really want to leave the home either. So that's what's been a struggle. And I guess in addition, um, she's got expectations that her children move by her and i think it's maybe cultural because we're asian um and she's got the ideas that her children should move by her so uh, it's a lot of pressure on the kids because none of us live by her and i've got two younger sisters and where does she live or what part of the country like east coast west coast yeah she's in southern california oh so that's far you're in chicago so that's yeah. not mm -hmm. anywhere um so tell me about that so when you think there's sort of an unspoken rule that you would move to be with her has it actually come up has she asked you to move to california uh she doesn't ask but there's just guilt trips tell me about it give me <laughs> give me an example of a guilt trip like oh, I went to my doctor and I complained to them that none of my kids are here with me. I'm all alone. And oh, 
And she lives on her own there, so she yes. doesn't have anybody living with her or... No family. She's got a lot of friends. She's pretty social, and she's well-connected with her church friends, but... Yeah, and then she recruits her friends and family to also guilt trip us into moving by her too. Like, then my aunts say like, oh, you should move by your mom. And yeah. Oh, okay. Has it ever come up that that she should move closer to one of you? You said you had two younger siblings, right? Yeah, so she's been considering that, but she loves the weather in Southern California and she loves uh, the familiarity of where she is and the doctors that she has there so she doesn't really want to up and move to an area that has worse weather right so that kind of rules out that rules out chicago i'm gonna have to say that out loud just because yeah. of the winters right yes yeah. and then my other sister is in london so that oh, just that's... seems a little too daunting for her to move there um even though uh, my sister just had a baby and then my other sister lives in arizona and so she's considered that, but she thinks it's too hot there. Yeah. So uh, does she require like any in-home assistance? Does she need help with like any of her ADLs? Is she pretty mobile? Is she driving? Yeah, so she's, dri she's driving just like around town so she can go to the grocery store, but she doesn't feel comfortable driving like on the freeway really longer distances where most of her doctors are. Uh, because she tends to get sleepy um, and yeah she's pretty independent around the house like she really probably shouldn't be doing a lot of things like lifting things because of her bad back but she does it anyways so when she thinks that her children should move closer to her when you hear that or when you feel that kind of pressure are you thinking that would be a social thing like you would move closer um, to give her more, it sounds like she has family and friends that live with her. I mean, live. I'm sorry, live in that area. So are you thinking this is so you could go to the doctor with her? Like, does she just want companionship? Is it a control thing? Can you tell? I mean, I think she wants me to be able to drive her around. And I think that actually a big part of it is that she's told me this too that she feels like if none of us move there it means that she's a bad person oh so it's that's kind of juicy <laughs> tell me about this so she thinks that it's a like a, a sign of disrespect or a sign of being uncaring if her children don't move back now is that your hometown as well that area yeah i grew up there um but i haven't lived there for like 30 years okay so is this something she actually says out loud? Like, if you don't come live with me, that means I'm a bad person? Or how do you infer? Yes. Yeah, she, she says, says that, that out that. loud. Yep. That yeah. if she ends up moving towards one of us or elsewhere, it means that she's a bad person. And um, yeah. Where, where, do you, where do you think she get? Is this a, a common thing in other parts of your family? It's like, do you have aunts that feel the same way about their kids? Um, actually my aunts, her sisters are different from her. Like they're kind of very independent and they really don't want their kids, um, to do things like that for them. Like, but then again, they have kind of more like more boys. So I don't know if the expectations are different. Um, 
I think that because my mom dedicated her whole life to family and maybe she didn't have anything outside of that that that's her expectation I'm not sure actually where she got that from that's that's a good question what about her own mother or and maybe this is before your time but how how did that go with your mother your maternal grandmother was that an expectation that she had are you aware of any sort of like hereditary expectations that they're like her mother had that expectation yeah she talks about that actually that her mother who had eight children um, told her basically like you have your own life so don't worry about me but then again her mother had basically I think five or six of her children in the same town with her um, and her mother ended up living with one of my aunts to help with childcare. so it wasn't an issue that she was by herself. I see okay how do you feel like what thoughts come up in your head when it sounds like your mom can be pretty direct saying you know, I really want one of you to, to move back to California. Like, how do you handle that? What what goes on? How do you process that? Yeah, there's a lot of resentment. And actually, I'm in the process of looking for a house by her, which I have a lot well, of mixed are. feelings about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my husband also wants to move to the area because it's closer to his family, although it's it's not as close as we're going to be moving closer to my mom so that's one other thing and i've had a lot of conflicted feelings too like i've been wanting to move because right now i'm not working so i don't have anything holding me in chicago and uh, me and my husband have been talking about moving to the west coast to be closer to family so what what percent of that decision with your husband was your mom's pressure to move? Is it like 5%? Is it 50%? Like if she had never said anything about y'all moving, do you think you'd still be moving for his purposes or other reasons? Um, probably if she didn't, well, if she didn't say anything, I might still have kind of like the filial guilt that I should be closer to her if she, if she was all by kind of without family where she is so yeah I probably still would even if she didn't say anything but I probably would feel better about it I wouldn't feel as kind of resentful and so does the resentment and I think that's a really powerful word I think it's one of the most powerful emotions in relationships um, is the resentment that you'd rather move electively because you want to be there but now that she's created the expectation and you happen to be filling the expectation you're resentful that she created the expectation to begin with or is it something different? Like, where do you, if you had to like dig a little bit deeper into the resentment? No, I think you're right. I think it just, it is based on her creating the expectation. And so, when you actually think about being closer to her, how do you feel about that? How does she treat you? How is that relationship? Is it um, a positive relationship? Is she interested in your well-being? Um, what does that look like? So, I think since COVID she's changed as well I think that it's been difficult on her just being by herself really like isolated for at least a year until like I actually went and saw her um so she used to be a lot more caring about like what was going on with us but right now I feel like it's more kind of mostly about her 
So what do you think that will look like if you're spending, uh, if you're closer in proximity to her geographically, what will change day to day? Do you feel like there's going to be a weekly dinner? You're going to get a phone call that she needs a ride to the doctor? Is like, you know, what layers of expectations are you thinking are going to start that aren't here right now because you live in a different state? Yeah, like I've given it some thought and definitely I'm going to have to have boundaries, which I've kind of already started instituting a little bit. Um, but I think like the weekly dinner um, has been brought up and that's a great idea where it's kind of a limited amount of time where it's expected and then we kind of go home. Um, and then I'm sure that she's going to want me to drive her to doctor's uh, visits and things like that. So I'll do that as well. But definitely I'm going to put some boundaries so that it's not like all the time, any time. So let's talk about those boundaries. What do you think those look like? Let, let's just say, let's just pick two of them. Um, what is one that's kind of top of mind for you? You mentioned like a time limited dinner. Um, but what are some other boundaries that are coming up that you feel like are, will be he healthy to have in place before you move? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've already started, I think, with the boundaries because coaching has helped me kind of um, create more boundaries for myself, whereas before I didn't. I think when she asks for help, which she's the type of person who asks everyone for help anytime, I would always just say yes. And now I'm, I'm giving it some more thought. Um, and I find that it's helping me for sure, instead of just jumping to yes. And how do you do that in real life? Like, can, like what's a practical example of you know, hey, I need you to go take me to get groceries and then go to this doctor's appointment and it's going to take six hours. Like, what's the next step in that boundary that is not people-pleasing, but that's authentic? Like, what does that look like for you? Yeah, I mean, I think, like, once a week driving to an appointment or something, definitely okay. Maybe twice a week, and I think more than that will be kind of like only on an emergent or exceptional basis. I'll probably set that kind of boundary for the rides. Um, I'm also trying to hire somebody to actually help with the driving so that I'm not just the Uber driver all the time. Um, and like for an example, last time at her house, like she is kind of very obsessive and and she's actually pretty good at doing like things like her taxes, like she was adding up her medical expenses for the whole year and she, just manually on a piece of paper. And she asked me to show her how to make it into a spreadsheet so that when she was adding it on, she didn't have to manually recalculate everything. And so I thought, okay, I can show her that. And then when I went to do that, she said, oh, can you just do it for me? Oh, and it was pages yeah. and pages. So I. I gave her some pushback in that, like, I said, oh, what, you want me to do it, the whole thing for you? And then she said, well, like, I think the old me would have just been like, okay, I'll just do it and then just be upset about it. So you mentioned uh, maybe hiring somebody to decrease the, the driving burden, but she is driving now. So is that anticipating that once you arrive, she would drive even less because you were available? And then you would supply some other driver to 
Yeah. I guess that could be kind of an unrealistic expectation if I'm there that, like, I should be driving. So, I mean, at least she can drive around town right now, and it's really for, like, trips that are maybe over, like, 20 or 30 minutes that she really doesn't feel comfortable driving. Um, So, because she doesn't want to spend money that's another reason why so instead of hiring uber like she'll take like um, the train and then a bus and then like complain about how difficult that is for her having to walk and everything and how she doesn't want to spend the money so i found someone actually that um she already picked her up from the airport and she also does other services um and so if she can find somebody that she can trust that's another thing is that trust she doesn't trust like the uber like a random uber driver so if I can get this person maybe in place, that'll help kind of take the burden off of me. So you don't even have the burden yet, though, because you don't, you don't live there yet, right? So yeah, I, I, I guess I feel kind of like I still have it since I visit her pr- like pretty frequently, like maybe every two to three months. And then when I visit, I'm usually there like seven to 10 days and um so that's a preview you've had a preview of what it would look like um now i know you said you have a background or at least a personal interest in personal finance and you mentioned that you would hire the uber driver partially because she's averse to spending money but how does that work in the determination of whose resources go towards convenience so it's more convenient for her to have a driver than for her to drive it's more convenient because she wants to avoid you know strangers and those and so you're you know you're you're accommodating some of these preferences or fears that she has uh so how does it come up to your brain that you would be the one to pay for them and not for instance ask her to pay for it or your siblings to help pay for it um is that just out of simplicity so you don't have to have the, the difficult conversations or do you feel like you're personally liable for her transportation costs? Um, well, my Or does she not have, like, like, are you, like, sincerely, like, okay, well, she doesn't have the $15 to get from A to B, or... She definitely has the money, and um, we visited with the accountant before just to confirm that she has enough money to go into one of the retirement communities, but she's just has this mindset that she never has enough and i just know how difficult that is and it's kind of a conversation that's a losing conversation so i mean i have the means and like a hundred dollars here and there really is not going to make a big difference in my life but it might make a big difference in my like um in just having someone to help so for me I think it's worth it and so I mean she has money and yeah it would be nice if she was able to spend her own money now just to make things more convenient for her and maybe for me as well but um, I mean as long as all the resources aren't all consumed by medical expenses or something like it's left for us anyway so I figure, yeah. So when, when push comes to shove, if she needed an assisted living, so she needed some support with like 
showering, dressing, those types of things for whatever reason. Um, what do you anticipate that conversation looks like? Because that's another expenditure. That's a change in scenery, right? Um, and then what, what often happens is now that an adult child is co-located in the same city, the assumption or one of the presumptions maybe is that the adult child would move in with the parent or the parent would move in with the adult child. And some of that is cultural as well. So I know that you're not at that point, but if that's crossed your mind, like how do you think about that? Yeah, the assumption was that she was gonna move to a retirement community. So I hadn't, the thought hadn't crossed my mind that she was gonna move in with me. Um, and then if she moved into a retirement community, she's been very proactive about asking them the details and also dragging me along to a lot of these retirement home visits. So I kind of have a gist of how it works. Like, I guess if you need the additional help, you can pay for it out of uh, pocket or if they determine that uh, those retirement homes that you need, like an additional level of care, they can put you in there too. So, um, but that's probably something good to think about. I mean, I think if she needs to hire someone for bathing help and things like that, then I think she would be more, I mean, I'm hoping that she'll be willing to pay for that if the time comes. Are there any considerations for, is she an extremely private person? Like if she did need help bathing or something like that, that she would prefer that was a non-family? So, so it goes both ways. It's like, no, it can't be a stranger. It has to be my daughter because the only person who can help me get dressed is a family member. And then I've also seen it to where it can't be my daughter. It can't be my family. It has to be a caretaker, a hired caretaker. Um, and maybe it's too early to tell, but can you see her having a strong preference either if she did need personal care, that it come from a hired person or from a family member? I think she'd be okay with a hired person. I don't think that she would really want a family member to do that kind of thing. At least she, that's not something that she's brought up. Like she definitely brings up that she wants a family member to be in the same town as her or in the same area, but yeah. So with your two siblings, what are these conversations like? Are they relieved that you're moving there? So quote unquote, they don't have to. Is it like, are you taking one for the team? Are you moving because you're super excited to get back to California and see your mom more? Like, what is the sentiment, the overall sentiment about that in yeah. your family? So the relationship with my youngest sister and my mother is pretty strained because my mother doesn't approve of her husband and makes it clear to my younger sister and so my younger sister my youngest sister she feels really pretty guilty about not seeing my mom I don't think she's come out to see her even a year before COVID just she just can't do it it's she's difficult and so she's grateful at least she's expressed that she's grateful to me that I do actually go and see her and so I made a I made a small pact with that sister I said okay well I'm helping her now but the burden of like because my mom is a hoarder the burden of having to take care of all the stuff in the house like when it needs when time comes I told her that she can take care of that oh <laughs> and she said yes so because <laughs> because she thinks it's it's gonna be a long time away but I mean hopefully it will be but we we don't know and so. your mom is in her 70s or 80s 70s 70s now okay okay and what about the middle sister so she's in London oh, that's so right. she just she had a baby kind of, and... yeah 
Yeah, that's that's farther away. Okay. So uh, I'm going to ask you, this is maybe an unfair question. Um, when you talk about this move and being in closer to proximity to your mom and, and these things, it sounds as if you're talking almost like a dental procedure. Like, <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and it, it's, it's matter of fact, it's like, this is what I'm going to do. I want to really take away you know, the, 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 like you said, some of the cultural expectations or what she's actually said. And if we could just lift that off, like, what do you truly think is happening? Um, what is the real, like with the id inside your brain, how does it feel about this? What is it saying? Um, it's probably screaming in horror, okay. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Tell, okay. I'm glad we got that far. Okay. Tell me about this. Yeah. I mean, just... What is it? Is it leaving Chicago because you love Chicago? Is it screaming in horror because this is a difficult person for you and you're going to yeah. have a higher exposure? Um, what are some of the elements of that? Yeah, it's more that she's a pretty difficult person to get along with. Um, I think, well, my sisters both definitely agree. And so just having to be more exposed to that that's I think the feeling of horror and yeah so what's the worst that would happen if you just didn't um well I mean I'm not there now and she's been bringing this up for at least 10 years and I haven't done anything so what's the worst that could happen I guess if like something happened to her and nobody found out for days I guess that would be the worst that would happen but I so I mean, I, like, to you, it would be if we just said, okay, this isn't going to work, and there weren't other reasons to move to California, or you and your husband decided, you know, whatever reason you wanted to stay in Chicago, that the worst that would happen is a feeling of the guilt that you feel from the way that she talks to you, and then the resentment. And so if you move, you might feel a little bit less guilt, but the resentment will probably take over for that part of it because now you'll have a lot of executive management. So anytime you talk about doing transportation, you know, appointments, meals, anything like that, the executive management of that goes much, much higher than if you were remote, right? So then there's the, hey, that person didn't show up on time or their car smelled bad or whatever. Um, and so that's a significant time expenditure as well. So um, do you see it as just sort of changing the balance of right now you feel really guilty and a little resentful and you'll go and you'll feel less guilty but more resentful like do you see any gain in your overall well-being to to make this move yeah i mean in for myself i think because well we're we're trying to buy a, a house right now we're in a small two-bedroom condo so if we can actually get the house there i think that'll be nice i mean it'll be too much space for us in a way but it'll be kind of a nice change so i think i do want to change um from chicago so i think it'll be nice in that way i so i kind of want to change and i don't like change in general so it, that's it's kind of pulling me both ways um and then for sure the winters are better there so I'll be able to go outside and do things outside in the winter um so <laughs> yeah so um do you have a stopgap like once you get there other than um 
the boundaries you're talking about putting in place, like who's looking out for your experience. So if your mom isn't someone who can check in with you and say, hey, I know this is a lot and you have other ambitions, you have other things going on. And if she doesn't, and correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't sound like somebody who's going to keep tabs on sort of your attention or energy expenditure for her. Is that going to be you or your spouse? Or do you have someone like who monitors Anne's expenditure for this process to make sure it doesn't uh, that it still honors your other the life that you have to live? I mean, you're young and moving to California and get to do more things and set up a house and do things that you want to do. Do you feel like you can be the manager of that? Do you feel like you're in a place where you're aware of that or do you rely on other people to tell you, hey, like this is getting out of hand or this is having a negative effect on your mood, things like that? Yeah, those are good questions. Um, I think for sure, that's good that you bring it up. I will have to be really aware of that. Um, So I think probably I'll take, I'll try and take primary responsibility for that. But certainly I think my husband will bring it up too if he sees things are not going well. Um, I mean, he's already used to right now just helping me decompress from my mom. Um, So I think he'll be able, he'll be a good person as well to help with that. I I talked to a therapist as well and um, coaches, so hopefully they will also be able to help. And when you say decompress, so he helps you decompress, what are the top three things you're decompressing from? Is it it judgment? Is it um, pressure? Is it like the physical space? You mentioned she was a hoarder, which a lot of people when they're in that space can already just feel compressed by the space itself so what do you decompress from after you spend time with her yeah I think it's like when we get into arguments and a lot of it is about the hoarding because like you mentioned it's just it just feels very uncomfortable whenever I'm at her house um so yeah I'll usually decompress to him and say like oh we had a fight about this today and he's usually pretty kind of reasonable to bounce things off of and helps me feel better um I think that's one reason why so we decided to move closer to her instead of his parents um because it's just harder like if we didn't have our own place we'd probably stay with her or I would stay with her when I was there and it's just harder to stay with her because of all of the stuff like it just really gets to me and so it's kind of easier to have our own place nearby and then just have a place to go back to um another unfair question which is i i usually ask people if we were to think of a spectrum um of say zero to ten and i'll start with ten so ten is an adult child that basically idolizes their parents. They're heavily attached. They have pull out all the stops. Nothing can be good enough. I mean, I mean, as far as every resource that can be expended to, uh, you know, make this parent extremely comfortable and accommodated. And then zero is this is very transactional. This is a parent that was not available. Is not warm. Is not reciprocating affection is not really interested in my life but they're a parent they're genetically a parent to me and I have 
a construct in my brain that says because they're a parent, then XYZ. Um, where are you on the spectrum of zero to ten? Zero being this is a very obligatory thing to do, um, and then ten is I'm an honored to be able to do this for this parent. I mean, I might say four or five. Okay, so kind of leaning towards the feels a little bit more like an obligation than something that you're... Yeah, um, maybe even three. A three? <laughs> maybe if we keep talking, you know, just a wedge down to a two or a one. Um, so in, in the course of uh, working with her and... and You've mentioned a couple of times that you find her difficult. Can you just give me a little bit more context to what feels difficult? And you mentioned the hoarding, and then it sounds like she's disapproving of your brother-in-law, and that, that that's hard, right? So um, what other things do you feel like are the most draining? Yeah, like, I think, like, so she's very blunt and not emotionally kind of connected or intuitive so she'll say things that are just hurtful and then um and then she doesn't feel like she needs to apologize either and then it's just defensiveness so um like my therapist actually recommended a book that I read called the children of emotionally immature parents oh my gosh <laughs> and actually That's when awesome. I <laughs> I mean, when I read the book, like, actually, I was like, oh, wow. Like, I mean, she, my mom is not as bad as for sure, like, a lot of the people in the book. But I could see parts of it. And then I, I understood better. And then, like, from the book, I, my last visit, I didn't have the expectation from her to be kind of, like, emotionally mature or connected or, like, ask about me, things like that. And I, I felt much better just kind of modifying my expectations. So I think that's a big part of it, just like kind of the emotional callousness. Like um, like when I was, I got married last year and I, I mentioned on our family phone call that I was worried because, well, the alterations people made my dress too tight. So I had to kind of lose weight to actually fit into it, which was definitely not a good situation. And I said, I was worried about like, you know, not fitting in the dress, and then she, like, laughed. So just <laughs> kind of, like, inappropriate things like that, yeah, that are oh, hurtful, right. so. Yeah. And then she's very paranoid, too, um, like, about money, about other people. Like, she doesn't want my husband to, like, she's worried that he's, like, kind of taking advantage of me financially, even though, like, we make about the same amount of money, so there's always that, that that's kind of annoying about it. And so that's why she doesn't like my husband's, my sister's husband either. Are you, are you comfortable um, sharing your cultural background or where you think some of this might come from? Yeah, so um, I'm Chinese. My mom is from Hong Kong. My dad was from China. And I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's like, I'm not sure if it's an it's an Asian thing. I know that or a Chinese thing. I know that I have another friend who I think she has a similar background as I do, and her mom is a little bit like that too. And well, in terms of hoarding, in terms of not being trusting of anyone kind of outside the family. Yeah, I'm not sure. 
So you, you talked about this book and then changing your expectations, which was immediately helpful. So she did not have to change for you to feel better because you had a different mindset or expectation. And I know you've done uh, coaching yourself. Um, you, can you pull out like two or three tips or lessons learned, like how you're navigating this relationship and this potential move in the future? Like if you were talking to somebody who's at the beginning of this, this guilt trip or this experience, um, do you have any advice for them or, or things that you'd like to share? Yeah, I mean, the book was very enlightening to me. Um, like, I had no idea that there was such a thing as emotionally immature. I mean, parents or that actually I my parent was like that, which I think it's actually pretty common because I feel like it's only kind of in more recent times that people are more kind of in tune with their emotions, especially parents. Um, so yeah, that was helpful. I, what else is helpful? I mean, I'm not sure I'm the greatest example because I'm actually giving in to the parent who's been guilt tripping me about not moving closer to them and I'm actually doing it, but I mean, coaching for sure helps, just coaching and therapy, just um, examining your thoughts about situations and really just realizing that it's not the situation that's making you upset, it's your thoughts and that you can modify your thoughts. Like you don't have to believe all of the thoughts that, that come. How far away do you think you are from telling a different version of the story in which you're choosing to move to California. This is a positive thing. Um, and maybe, again, we're talking about your mom, so it could be just contextual to this conversation, but how, having done coaching yourself and, and worked with coaches before, are you, do you have a goal of developing a different narrative about this move? Um, or is it right now, I'm, I'm like you said, you use the word, I'm giving in to my mom who made these demands and made me feel guilty and now I'm responding to the guilt trip. Um, and maybe that's true for you and maybe that is the, the story, but do you have it as a goal to create an, an equally true narrative that involves you and or your husband, your, your new husband or like what, where are you at right now with that? Yeah, you know, like that's a great idea. I hadn't really thought about like purposefully like making the story so that it was more about me and kind of positive and why I'm doing it because it's true like that definitely changes your experience so yeah well let's do it there's no time like today right yeah I mean I just met you today and you agreed to come talk to me and you don't I think it's wonderful so time time is of the essence so um let's think about this um so you are moving with your new husband to start a new life in California in a home located in a place that has weather more conducive to outdoor activities, which you enjoy, uh, more plugged into community, conveniently closer to your mother, should she have needs that are difficult to fulfill from Chicago. I'm just giving us like a boilerplate. Yeah, plate, no, that's but great. Can we build on that just a little bit? We don't have to spend the whole on that but I and I say that because I I don't I don't believe in gaslighting yourself I don't believe in 
you're thinking, okay, this is, this is um, a move because I feel guilty. I, I feel like in most of these situations, there's multiple things that are equally true at the same time. And some of them feed my soul and some of them drain my soul, depending on how I want to describe it. I felt that way about being a parent a lot. Um, I could tell you a lot of stories about being a parent that would make you think I was very resentful and felt guilted into doing certain things. And then I could turn around and tell you the exact same stories with different language that would make you think that I was like an all-star parent and I, that nothing was better. And it's in the way that I choose. All of it's true. I have children is true. You have a mom that's true. Um, they have behaviors. Your mom has behaviors. But the agency I feel is I get to decide what the narrative is. But it's still, but my criteria are, it still has to be true. So I'm not going to say, oh, it was super wonderful raising multiples. I had twins eight years ago, right? Oh, that was super fun. And like, I can't think of a better experience. I would never, I can't do that because it's too far. And I don't want to ladder all the way over to that story. It's not authentic for me. It's not true for me. But I can find different rungs to the ladder that get me to a story that is true and a narrative that fits me or my value system um, and feels better like a jacket. So I was thinking of them like, I always think of thoughts as like clothes, right? And so I could put those clothes on, but they're either like too tight or they're like asymmetric, or like something is weird with them. And then it's all a closet. So my brain is a closet of different thoughts and I put on a different thought and I think, you know, yeah, that was a tough time, but wow, look how much I grew, look how much I learned, look how much whatever. Um, so if, if we apply that concept to what you're going through, and I want you to take everything we just talked about and put it up on the shelf and tell me again why you and your husband are moving to California. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Let's see. I. So we're moving there because we want to change and we want to live in California. We want to live closer to our parents and it makes us feel good to live closer to our parents. And how do you feel when you say that? I feel better. I might need a bridge thought for it, but <laughs> <laughs> but no, right? definitely it's um it's it's definitely more uh, positive and yeah, it's a definite it's definitely it's helpful for your outlook. Yeah. And, and I will say, um, you have to obviously practice these things, right? So you've got to try the clothes on before they fit in, you know, fit completely. You've got to break them in a little bit. And so um, just because a thought feels a little stiff at first, I don't know that we should put it back on the rack right away. Like sometimes you just have to wear the thought for a while and make sure it is authentic and true to you. But my brain and my body go along better when the narrative is something I get to create and I live into it. And um, that feels different than what I believe we were talking about earlier, which is an external person, in this case your mom, setting the narrative. And then you're following the narrative because that's the one they set. And that, for me as well, and for most people, breeds resentment. Like, that's not my story. That's your story. That's not my agency. That's you deciding this. That's not me choosing it. And so if I always feel like if at the end of the day, for whatever reason in your brain you think it's important to serve her in this way what we don't even have to go that far but whatever it is and if we're going to do that anyway right um then we're going we can work backwards from there 
and find the storyline from here to there that serves us, they're not going to help you develop that storyline. They're not even aware, as you probably have already mentioned with the emotional issues, that it's important to develop things that work for you, that, that accommodating you and instead of her. Um, and those boundaries are really key. I feel like those are the, the railroad tracks, right, for how you're going to get through this um, and to observe them and to love her no matter her reaction to your boundaries. And I love that concept that um, we don't serve somebody to make them not mad at us. Like the evolution to me emotionally is um, I'm going to show up with my boundaries in my authentic way and I will love you however you react to the boundaries that I set. And that to me is durable because then I'm being who I can be and then they're being who exactly who they're going to be because you can't say, oh, I hope she doesn't get mad if I tell her I can't pick her up on Friday. And I'm going to get mad if she gets mad because I say it. Like all of that would be I can't pick you up on Friday, and then if there's some, put you know, blowback for that, some nasty text or phone call or whatever, that that's the best she can do, with the the emotional skill set that she has. The best she can do is call you and tell you something mean and hang up the phone, um, but then that leaves you showing up for her because of you, and because of how it makes you feel. So I'm getting a little bit too off into philosophizing, but. Um, that's how I feel like that's one of the reasons I have this podcast is I want us to really examine where these thoughts are coming from, how, if, you know, how we can serve ourselves in the middle of serving somebody else. Um, so with that said, any parting thoughts? I'm so excited that we got to talk today. Yeah, no, that's great. I feel like it's been kind of like a coaching session for me. Oh, so thank you for your, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Yeah. It's helpful to. It's definitely helpful to reframe your thoughts about your a any about a lot of situations, especially kind of painful situations. And I know that my brain has been kind of used to going down that route. Like, oh, it's been ten or plus years that she's saying complaining about nobody being there and she's all alone and yeah. But just to move past that and say like. Um, yeah, I'm not moving there because she wants me to or because my husband wants me to, but because I want to move there, which is true. There is part of me at least that wants to move there. So. Do you have a time frame for moving? Possibly this year. depends on if we get a house there. Oh, okay. So I'm going to put By in a request. We could do a part two in 2024. <sighs> okay. Because one of the things that I see happen is the complaint is you're not you know, moving close to her. And ironically, what, what often happens is that the complaint sh- pivots just a little bit. You're here, now you're not doing enough, and you're here. So the proximity, the, the geographic proximity, when you're dealing with an emotionally immature adult, it is always the lack, that it's not enough, that you're not enough, that there's not enough money, there's not enough things, there's not enough. And so the entire persona is that people are, that it's not enough. And it would be really a fallacy to believe, it's almost like, you know, oh, we'll solve this one thing and then the not enough part will go away. But that's, that is the core generator of thoughts and feelings for an adult like that, that it will still not be enough. And so going into it knowing I could move closer 
But the next not enough, and I'm not predicting this for you, I'm just, I've seen this happen, is now that you're here, oh my gosh, you're here in the same city with me, you're really not doing enough. And so the not enough shifts, and we think, oh, all I have to do is move closer, and then the, and then that will be enough. And of course, that's never, 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 never how it works. And I say that only out of compassion for your future self. I hope that does not happen to you. But the way that her brain thinks will still be the same. And it will be that there's not enough presence, there's not enough attention, there's not enough support, adoration, respect, whatever it is for her that, that, that there are holes at the bottom of the cup. And you're plugging one hole, maybe, and then there's all these other holes and the cup still has the holes in it. And so I just don't want you to lose yourself in the middle of trying to change your life, thinking that this will be enough because there is no expectation in that mindset that that will be enough. It will just be less of that exact complaint. But as you've probably seen with this type of parent, then it, it just, you know, you're not good enough at school. Okay, well, good are going to college. Now you got to the best college. Well, that's not good enough. And you should have made a 4.0. And, and it's almost like this really com competitive lack of, you know, not enough things. So um, I don't want to end it in a sad note like that. But if, you, if you're going to move anyway, um, I'd like to eventually invite you back and have the second conversation of how it's going for you. And maybe we can learn from you of, how are you navigating that? And I've even seen adult children move back to their parent and then actually end up becoming estranged, even living in the same city because of this exact problem, which is I thought this was going to be enough. Well, of course it's not. And then the resentment of having moved their life, their career, whatever, is so strong that the, the relationship is, is way different than I guess they had anticipated. So, um, Anyway, that said, I think California is gorgeous. I'm excited you to go there. The weather's amazing. Um, thank you for trusting me to come on and talk about this. I think it's going to help a lot of people, and I just appreciate you being here today. Mm, thank you so much, Rebecca, for having me and for all your insights. Yeah, I'll definitely have to, I mean, with your experience knowing about parents, yeah, I'll definitely have to take into consideration that there's going to be something else. <laughs> that this oh, is going to be the end, the end of the story. Yeah. yeah. Well, I hope you have a good end to this story, um, but we will be checking back in. Sounds great. All Thank right. you so much, Rebecca. Hey, everyone. It's Rebecca. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you really enjoyed the podcast. I am here to let you know I can be found on RebeccaTapiaMD.com. You can come over there to learn about my new course launching this summer, dealing with mindset for aging parents, getting prepared, all the good stuff, sharing my opinions and life lessons. Uh, also could just join my email list so I can share more about my thoughts about these podcasts and more insights there. Thank you so much for being here.